Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. I'm Michelle Martin. Asia Pacific shares are trending higher this morning. Sydney is up one third of a percent. Seoul is in positive territory as well. Markets in Japan are closed today to celebrate the vernal equinox. Joining me now to break down all the market action. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Morning, Michelle. Let's start this morning with one of Singapore's most important asset classes, real estate investment trusts. And let's look at those that are pure China plays. Now, there are five such listed vehicles here in Singapore. There are four REITs, one property trust with a focus solely on the China market. They have investments in retail, malls, logistics and industrial areas, as well as office and business parks across the country. And if we look at how these companies are performing, the verdict is pretty good. Strong occupancy rates, higher distributions per unit, even if their share prices don't always follow suit. Walk us through a few of these companies. Okay, let's take a look at how China Air Streets are doing, pure play China Air Streets. And we've got five of them on the SGX, uh, four Air Streets and one property trust. And they have been recording stronger rental income and also increases in distribution. So it's been a pretty solid year for them. So looking at a couple of them, you have some common themes playing out. And this includes resilient portfolio occupancy rates, recovery in shopper footfalls and tenant sales as well. Also, contributions from acquisitions. So that is the common theme playing out. And looking at some of the names, Capital Land China Trust, for example, uh, they have reported a 37.5% increase in their FY 2021 DPU. And in terms of net property income for the year, that was higher by 85.2%. So that was partly lifted by acquisitions from things like Rock Square and Capital More Noorher Muller. So looking at where we are for Cecil Reed, uh, it has four retail outlet malls and it has seen an 8.5% growth in DPU and 10.1% growth in entrusted management agreement rental income. And another one we can look at is EC World REIT. It is up 12.7% in terms of growth for its net property income and DPU up 16.9%. Well said, Ryan. Another China play in the news is Dasin Retail Trust. Shares of Dasin Retail Trust down 16% since the beginning of the year, nearly 60% over the past 12 months. The company has a portfolio of seven malls, but it is looking to divest two of them. Do we know why? All right. Those two potentially mm. are... Shitsi Metro Mall and Seolan Metro Mall. So according to the report, they are planning to use the net proceeds from the sale to repay the trust's existing syndicated loans and the remainder will be used for working capital purposes. Divestments, purchases and mergers by REITs are often very tricky deals. In the case of Dasin's investment, its major shareholder, Sino Ocean Capital, will jointly manage the company that is buying Dasin's two malls. And if we look to another high-profile deal, the proposed merger of Maple Tree Commercial Trust and Maple Tree North Asia Commercial Trust, the fund manager Quartz is calling for MAS intervention. Uh, tell us more. Why is Quartz upset and why does it want? what does it want MAS to do exactly? Okay, the context is Quartz Capital Management is uh, an activist fund manager. So they are quite vocal when it comes to some of these deals that happen. This is not the first time they have written to MAS. So this is the latest deal they are 
making themselves heard. And the main contention here is the value on the table. They feel the current offer does not, well, it's not high enough. So that is where they are coming in to say that it is puzzling that the MNACT's manager, according to them, did not conduct a robust and transparent sales process to pretty much effectively get the best offer they think could be on the table. So that's something they are pushing the managers to do so and they are pushing the MAS to investigate if the um, directors, the manager behind MNACT has fulfilled his fiduciary duty to unit holders of the REIT. So that's pretty much the summary of what they are pushing for in their letter. Quartz's petition to MAS over the MCT-MNACT merger highlights fair amount of discontent over deals in the REIT sector. There's an interesting article about this in today's Business Times by Ben Paul entitled REIT Mergers, Time for Regulators to Wake Up. So what exactly is Paul's uh, main argument? Okay, so here is something that has been talked about for quite some time. How some of the offers do not please unit holders enough because there is a perception that the prices do not reflect the asset values. And in many cases, there's a confluence of factors. For example, prevailing market conditions. Sometimes the net asset value of the assets may not command the price currently because of the backdrop of what's happening around the world. So you won't be able to fetch the high prices sometimes because of other factors, even though net asset value according to some calculations, uh, may be higher. And you also have to consider if there's any willing buyers out there. So it's a bit of a demand supply situation there as well. So here's where the um, call by Ben Paul, you can read more details in the Business Times, um, how they are talking about how REITs need to get more attention from regulators to make sure that everyone gets a fair deal according to um, what is being put on the table. So do you agree REIT mergers need to be justified uh, with, with oversight? There is a case to be made for the argument because um, there have been a lot of um, question marks over potential conflicts of interest, especially when you have a sponsor involved, a common sponsor involved between both sides. So there is that question mark. How do you supervise these type of deals to make sure that the best offer is put forth for especially minority shareholders? So that's something worth looking at closely to see if there are any tweaks required. And also worth noting this morning, we had a mm. bit of um, revision to the scheme consideration for that merger between Maple Tree Commercial Trust and Maple Tree North Asia Commercial Trust. So what's happened here is there is now a third option for unit holders. They can elect to receive the entire scheme consideration in cash. So this on top of the existing options of script only and cash and script. So this is to give unit holders more flexibility in what they call in light of the prevailing market conditions and the feedback they've been receiving from unit holders. Um, so you have three options, all of them still the same value, unchanged at $1.19.49. So that is what's on the table right now. Maybe we could see more changes down the road if mm. we get more feedback from unit holders. Indeed, since value is the point of contention. All right, let's turn to global markets. And the week ahead, let's start with China. It's reporting its first COVID-19 deaths in over a year. Shanghai Disney has closed down until further notice because of COVID-19 cases in the city. And Chinese President Xi Jinping is signaling a shift in strategy. Does this mean an end to China's COVID-0 policy? 
I am not so confident to say that is the end of COVID-0 yet, at least. Because um, going by the latest remarks from Xi Jinping, he has outlined that he recognises, at least acknowledges, that there's going to be some economic impact from the COVID-0 policy. But they will do their best to maximise any prevention and control measures they can do to avoid that. But no signals that things will change. It's the first time C has emphasised minimising really the economic costs of COVID-19 prevention at a Politburo meeting since the pandemic kicked off in 2020. Hong Kong's COVID-19 policies have been attracting a lot of criticism of late, particularly as cases have spiralled and travel is difficult. A social media letter from an expat there calling on Chief Executive Carrie Lam to recognise some of the absurdities of the current policy has been creating a lot of buzz in Hong Kong, even beyond its shores. And this morning, we have news that the Hong Kong government may ease some restrictions. What's the latest? Yeah, this is going to be good news for almost everyone in Hong Kong because they have been under pressure and just having to undergo all these restrictions for such a long time. And if you've been following the papers, you have seen many of these um, graphics and pictures of the hospitals, the mortuaries, the crematoriums all crowded and just under strain. So that has been the backdrop of the Hong Kong COVID-19 outbreak where cases have been going up and that's why we've been seeing all these strict social restrictions. But it seems like um, it may be starting to change their tone or approach towards COVID-19 with the backdrop of how a lot of experts have been complaining. Some talent has been um, have been moving away from Hong Kong and the economy has been hit to some extent and they are now looking at reviewing their response and some details could be coming out later today where we could see some easing, for example, hotel quarantine parameters, maybe some travel restrictions could be eased and there'll be good news for the Hong Kong markets. In other news, Hong Kong stocks had a good run late last week as China promised to provide support to markets. After dipping to nearly 18,000, the Hang Seng Index rallied to close back above 21,000. All right, let's turn to commodity markets where oil prices are rising again. Brent crude trading at 110 US dollars a barrel, West Texas crude at 107. One company that's clearly been benefiting from higher prices is energy giant Saudi Aramco, which opened its book over the weekend. What do they show? Yeah, so just to give you some context around prices of Brent, um, that is up year on year by over 70%. So you can imagine when prices are going up, Saudi Aramco is benefiting. And like you pointed out, it is benefiting big time, more than doubling 124% in 2021 to $110 billion. So it is seeing the benefit of higher crude oil prices stronger refining and chemicals margins and some other um, various moves in the corporate space where it's seeing a consolidation of its chemical business, uh, Subix full year results. So all these just playing a part to make it a banner year for Saudi Aramco. And with the energy crisis going on, it doesn't seem like the momentum is going to stop. The strong profits are leading Saudi Aramco to issue bonus shares to its investors. One new share for every share 
held. Investors, of course, like this news. Saudi Aramco share price rose nearly 3.5% yesterday. It is up 21% since the beginning of the year. How else will Saudi Aramco use these profits? I mean, is it making new investments? And if so, do you think that might help bring the price of oil back down? Yeah, it would make sense for you to sell more if there's more demand and they think so. So it is looking to invest to increase its oil production capacity to 13 million barrels per day by 2027, expand its liquid to chemical production, and look to increase its gas production by more than 50% by 2030. So all in, this is just looking like it's trying to benefit from the higher prices, sell more and make more money. So it kind of makes sense. As we look at the week ahead, Ryan, is there anything else on investors' radars we need to be aware of? Okay, so a couple of things in the coming days that could be worth watching. You've got some earnings coming through. Nike is at the top of the list and they'll be out today with their numbers. What will be worth watching here is where China will be sitting when it comes to the um, growth trajectory, whether that demand is still going to be helping to lift profits for Nike. And in a way, it will be a bit of a indication for other companies with Chinese exposure. Um, look at the other earnings coming out this week, we've got Tencent Music today. Uh, in the coming days, Xiaomi tomorrow will be worth watching. Uh, and Tencent on Wednesday, mm-hmm. that could be a lift for its share price if they do well after being better for so many weeks. Since time, you might remember this one, the Chinese AI company, they will be out of their earnings on Friday. And NIO, the EV maker in China, also in action with its quarter report at end of the week. And looking at where we are for other geopolitical events worth watching. On Thursday, it will be the 24th of March and it actually marks the one-month milestone for the Ukraine war. And on that day, we have actually have, incidentally, US President Joe Biden going to Europe to meet his counterparts and NATO to figure out what other moves they can make. So it could be one to watch in terms of stirring market sentiment later this week. All right, time for Up or Down. We open our books, Ryan and I, and uh, says more in corporate news. Property guru, Up or Down? I am going with Down. That is because it is actually Down. <laughs> its IPO debut on the New York Stock Exchange was not a good one. So it was down 1.7%. So it is a bit of a, almost a parallel to how Grab did on day one. I'm going to go with up. Uh, Property Guru began trading on the New York Stock Exchange on Friday following a successful SPAC merger. Its shares closed down 1.7%, but I'm giving it an up. Even though its share price fell, listing on the NYSC is still a big achievement. I guess you could be (laughs) optimistic that way. Let's look at Metro. Metro. I am going with up. And this is um, around a report, an interview that the CEO... Hong Mon did, and he painted a cautiously optimistic outlook that this year could be better than the last two years. And part of that approach is going to see Metro Holdings continue to diversify its portfolio and grow in different markets and maybe even go into new ways of um, doing business. When was the last time you went to a Metro? It has to be almost five years ago when I was looking for some of these... um, motherhood items, you know, the baby bottles, the strollers, that sort of thing. Oh, okay. When yeah. was the last time you went? Pre-COVID, I have to say. What did you get? Uh, I think I was just trying to pass through it so I could get to my favourite eatery at Paragon. 
Okay, so I guess they've got a good location. <laughs> if you've got the walk-through traffic, maybe they could hook you in someday. Yeah, but I do like Metroid. It does have a lot of nostalgic memories for me. I had my first, you know, vacation job there. I stood 10 hours as a The first vacation job? <laughs> yeah, I was, I don't know, 17. 10 hours what on my selling? feet selling? selling jewelry. Okay, jewelry. Yeah. How old what do you do? Not bad, actually. Got my first start in sales. All right, let's go with Kofu. What do you think, up or down? All right, Kofu. I am going with up, and that's because it is raising its bills that the tenant storeholders have to pay for electricity. So an additional two hundred to three hundred dollars per month they have to foot for. Of course, we've seen rising costs of power, but not quite enough to cover everything. But at least they are able to absorb or able to pass on some of those. Power costs to some extent. Okay, so we're, we're like glass half empty, half full. So it's down in my books, Kofu, on the back of that news. Kofu is going to start charging storeholders at least $200 more every month to compensate for higher energy prices. I think it's hard enough in this environment for food stalls to make a good living, really. It's tough. I think at some point we may have to ask the question, are we willing to pay more for food, especially at these stalls? I think the question is already here. Eating out is a lot more expensive that's what I've noticed. Let's turn to Singapore now. We are 22 minutes into the local trading day. Keppel Corp and Yang Zijiang Shipbuilding led the Straits Times Index higher on Friday. For the week, the SDI finished up 2.5% at 33.30. How's the SDI trading this Monday morning? Yeah, quite a solid week for the SDI last week. We've got it up by 2.5%. And that was led by gains in banks. And of course, after Fed rate hike, on Thursday, and right now we've got the STI in the green, up 0.4% at 3,342. And this is against a regional backdrop where we've got a bit of a mixed start. Um, so some caution still on Monday morning. Um, looking at where we are for the 30 constituents, mainly green, you've got only six counters in the red. Right at the bottom, we've got Johnny Matheson down 0.9%, followed by Taibev, Hong Kong Land, Capital DC REIT, Jardine Second Carriage and ST Engineering. Now, let's take a look at the top of the table. Dairy Farm is up 4.2% at 249 followed by Maple Tree Commercial Trust, up $2.12, or rather 2 0.1% at $1.93. And this is around news this morning that MNACT unit holders will be able to get an additional option of cash only um, with their scheme consideration. Okay, we've talked about banks and they are in the green. OCBC leading the charge this morning up 0.9%, 12.14. And rounding up the top five, you've got Capital Land. Integrated Commercial Trust up 0.9% and not too far behind, Capital Land Invest. Thanks very much, Ryan Huang. Off to enjoy his breakfast today. Well earned. Stay with me here on Your Money. We've been talking about decoupling of China and US markets for quite a while. Is that gaining traction uh, in the wake of the geopolitical crisis in Ukraine? That's coming up. How is that going to impact your portfolio and markets? Listen up at 10.05. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.